0: I played my uh, kids Wayne's World this week. Really? And They really like it. And, I, you know, there's a couple parts I realize aren't exactly age appropriate. But I'm, I'm watching the enjoyment out of my kids' faces and it felt uh, felt wonderful. And later that day, I'm walking up to the car, back window opens and I hear, would you like some Grey Poupon? <laughs> my son little <laughs> kid little kid doing fucking wayne campbell now he wore a wayne's world hat to school i'm very proud oh, wayne's world you know you can only teach what you know that's right and uh me and my buddy steve lawson in middle school went to see wayne's world i think like five or six times in the movie theater because we were so <laughs> obsessed you know a bunch of which we snuck into um but uh yeah so passing down the torch you know Yeah, great film. Even Wayne's World too. Not a bad one. I made a mistake today, Brad. What's that, Benny? So, you know, I've been on my own for a couple days. Family, uh, family went down uh, for a little trip. I had too much work and I couldn't go. So yesterday, I consumed essentially nothing but bread, cheese, and fake meat. You know, (laughs) which is a great day for me. But, you know, you know, I'm trying to get in shape. I got to get in game shape now. Right. You know, I can't, can't be doing that. This morning I woke up. I'm going to take my dog on a hike. And, you know, I can't, I'm like, ah, not, no eggs. Like, let's not be heavy. Like, we need some nutrition. So I took the blender and I tossed in, like, I mean, basically a whole pack of blueberries and a whole pack of spinach. Whoa. And in typical, like, caveman fashion, I'm like, I'm getting my health. In one fail swoop today, you know, like, it's like the, the like a male version of like injecting health into yourself is like, I'm just going to do it in one shot, you know, And of course I feel crazy. I just ate too much. I'm like simultaneously like hungry and farting weird <laughs> and don't want to eat anymore, but, but starving wait, all at the same time. So you made a juice that was just kale and blueberries? No, no, no. It's like a big thing of blueberries you know, absurd amount of spinach because spinach oh, bomb spinach. is like, that's my old school trick, Popeye style. Okay. Like, like when, I, when I'm when i on tour and I'm feeling like, oh, my body feels like shit, I'll literally grab a handful of spinach with my hand and just shove it in my mouth and <laughs> suck it down. I don't enjoy it. Just, just to be like, okay, spinach uh, bomb nutrients, I'm getting them in. So I took a ton of spinach, a ton of blueberries, two bananas, uh, and then, yeah, just some peanut butter. Okay. That was it. Yeah. So I mean, it good. it's a t- some t- honey, good. Some you honey. Know, I made a sweet little oat milk, spinach. Sure. It's a, n- a nice smoothie. Okay. But I really just should have like spread out my nutritious intake, I think. It was like a bomb, than-
1: health bomb kind of fucking yeah, went through you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this,
0: like I said, it, it's going through, but hanging around, you know, oh, like so, well, <laughs> you
1: yeah, know, should have done that a little better. I'm glad we're not in the same room. Oh uh,
0: yeah, it's interesting <laughs> today. But anyway, uh well, I think Mike and the the fans of new age records and some of this music will will be into our problems, you know? Cuz sure. there's probably a lot of dads listening.
1: <laughs> a lot of hardcore dads out there. Yeah. With stomach problems. A lot of
0: hardcore dads. <laughs> a lot of people with uh uh turning point records who take a modium at night, oh, God. you know? And baby aspirin and shit like that. <laughs> yeah. That's the kind of age we get into it was fun to get into this. Mike, uh, you know, he's doing press right now, you know, specifically for free will, who is, you know, his band that, you know, he had all the way back in the day in the, you know, late eighties, they had their heyday and, you know, kind of fizzled out and, and, you know, got back together for the, uh, John Bunch shows and, and started kicking back up and playing music and, finally released their record after twenty-eight years.
1: <laughs> it's pretty um, awesome.
0: Which is awesome, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um so the music is cool. I mean it's like one of the reasons I wanted to do the interview was the first band it, it kicked me to I'm like, oh it sounds like shades apart. I'm like I'm right here in like the, the early nineties. This yeah. is perfect for me, you know? Nice. Um but then of course, you know I am a nerdy old hardcore kid. <laughs> And New Age Records has put out some classics. You know, like the classic albums. I didn't even get into Mouthpiece. But, you know, uh, Lifetime Background is like, as we got into in this interview, I mean, that's a seminal record. And I feel like once you start peeling back the onion and you get back to the certain core bands who started certain things, like, you know, there's like 20 plus years of music that came after Lifetime that you can really start getting back to Lifetime on for a lot Mm -hmm. of it. And a lot of the bands I even mentioned, if you take a band like My Chemical Romance and go far back enough on the line, there's Lifetime there. You know, there's, there's these really major mainstream acts that are out there who don't know about this. And Unbroken is the same way where like, as we discussed in the interview, I mean, their most famous record costs $850 to make <laughs> and they barely played shows after it came out. And it's sort of this like mythological band, but uh, does a lot of like the, you know, seminal hardcore of the nineties that turned into other stuff happen without them? Is there, is there botch? Is there dead guy? Is there, uh, you know, Dillinger eventually converge, you know? all these heavy bands that were coming out of this scene that they had a lot to do with. Um, and literally I have a fucking half sleeve of life, love, regret. So, (laughs) you know, like, I think it's just always a testament to, to, to creation and making sure the good things get out there and they'll, they'll get their due in time, you know? Um, but Mike had a great story and, um, I really connected to it, too, because I love these stories about these, like, little kids who just don't give a shit, you know? Yeah. They're like, yeah, I don't care. Like, I'll do zine. I'll do shows. And it's, like, really my favorite part of some of the stuff we do in punk and hardcore is just this, this idea that, like, the actual power is in your hands and the change is in your hands. And it only takes a few people and a really cool idea to do something important. And that's something that's easy to forget. I think, especially in a social media landscape, like everything feels too big to tackle, too unattainable, too grand in scale. When all you got to do is like control what's in your power and create something where you are, you know? Like a lot of these bands and these labels didn't imagine they were going to be things that were affecting people 30, 40 years later. And they were, and they are. So it's just a testament to you gotta keep making stuff, right? Go Never out stop there stop making. And
1: make it universal make. brain basher. <laughs>
0: yeah. So good, right? I love that. <laughs> and I'm like fast. I'm like, wow, 13 year old kid just interviewing doing. this stuff. I mean, it's great. It's great. I appreciate the spirit. And that's why I was asking him questions about parenting, because I'm like, I'm like, I don't know, like, I think it would be cool as fuck if my kid was 12 years old putting out a zine or like his daughter in fifth grade you know doing a run of successful merchandise and stuff like that the entrepreneurial spirit they're hustlers they got a little bit of the east coast hustle you know yeah baby So long interview, right? Hey, it didn't seem long at the time. It didn't. It just kind of flew right through. But. So I was I looked at the clock and it was time. But uh, let's get into it, Brad. Please put the train. Choo choo. <laughs> it's going on. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. How's um how's your pandemic been? <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh it's been good i uh it's it's strange i had enough people around me uh get it in such different ways like i had my father-in-law got it who's 72 and he had it for oh, like shit. a day and a half Whoa. and like okay literally by the time he got his test results they were like you've got covid and he was like i do like oh, i already feel okay. better and uh and my friend steve who plays uh or played in instead who the drummer uh, he got COVID and was in the hospital for almost an entire month. Yikes. Uh, yeah, had two days where he was like, I was pretty sure for two days I was going to die. Shit. Like saw bodies being wheeled out. Like, you know, oh, this God. is like a, a year ago oh, and, uh, you know, yeah. I asked him not too long ago. I'm like, oh, so, you know, if a hundred percent is being a hundred percent,
0: where are you at? And he said, I'm about 80. Wow. So he has that, he has that, the long COVID? Yeah, I think Whoa. so. So what are yeah. like the symptoms of that? Just like continuing like respiratory issues and stuff? I
3: think, yeah, I think his big issues were all respiratory. Just, uh, you know, he said one of the times he tried to go just use the restroom in his, uh, in his hospital room, it took him, you know, 15 minutes and he'd felt like he'd, you know, ran four miles or like he just... Was right. you know just beside himself, just couldn't couldn't catch his breath and couldn't get any sort of sense of what you know how to how to deal with it.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Fucked up. So, how about you personally? How are you um, in the last you know couple years from lockdown to loosening up? You you've been able to work okay and keep keep things flowing, or did you really have to pause for a while?
3: No, luckily uh, I run everything as far as my business goes, out of the house. Right. So uh, I... I my living room is two desks and an embroidery machine. (laughs) My my garage is a four color screen press. uh, There you go. And like everything is uh, very very internal. So I I you do all the
0: new age merch at your house too? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's that's, intense. That is that's a next level DIY operation. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I would much
3: rather. Certain days I'd much rather park my car in the garage, but instead (laughs) I've. got, you know, 300 screens and, uh, you know, shelving and old covers and, uh, and whatnot. So, uh, but the, I think the only problem we had that would be like a, a real issue was getting blank t-shirts because a few places closed and moved and some were down, uh, just, you know, uh, employee wise. And and so there were just like a lot of those kind of things where things didn't happen as quick as normal. Okay. Um, but uh, the local place I get screens and ink from had some government contract. So they got labeled essential workers. So they were stoked they could keep working. Yeah. And so they had some... uh, She told me the other day what they were doing. It was some some government contract for... for, They had to stretch screens for some big operation. Like I I can't even remember what it was, but like they got a letter from the government that said you are allowed to stay open if anyone... You know, that's crazy
0: to think because like you know you you look at like images of like a disaster zone or something like that <laughs> and the crew that comes usually has fucking matching shirts somehow right, right. right? yeah exactly like so you yeah. don't you don't think about that but like but yeah, you need gear down to the right. last minute. You know, right, right. Like, how are you going to tell that you are a proper yeah disaster? <laughs> you know, festival? just
3: some guy wandering around trying to clean yeah. things up.
0: So, do you do you um like service like the new age web store? You also make like tour merch and stuff for band.
3: Uh, we don't do as much tour merch as we've done in the past. I think with screen printing being so much more available, and everyone's got a friend who does something, right. and with shipping add it on with what that's become, uh, I think a lot of bands can just whip it up pretty easy. Like we do stuff from time to time, mm-hmm. um, and you know the screens are already here, so it's not like they'd have to go somewhere and pay a screen fee or something. So uh, it is it is good for that. But our our biggest, I guess, customers would be the web stores. Probably ninety five percent of what we okay. print. And then we do for each release, there's usually a pre order given to any of the distributors or stores that want to carry that sure. item or those items. Yeah, so, yeah. like the Cortex is Rev, uh, you know, a few of the other stores, Nerds in Japan, a couple of those places will get the, um, the one sheet info, uh, an order, a date to order by, a date we'll ship by. And, and so, those kind of just go in stages, and then everything stays up on, the, on our website.
0: Nice. Well, I mean, I mean, I am intimately familiar with screen printing process uh, as I've done it, met, you know, dozens of times uh-huh. myself. But embroidery is like some next level <laughs> shit to me. That's like you got to go to like a stand in the mall to like well, get something embroidered. <laughs> like, that, so uh, how, how did you pick that up and oh. get that machine and stuff? That seems like a next level thing, even. Well, it was, um,
3: I started, or my wife and I started a clothing company with our daughter. Oh, cool. And it was a very like fast fashion kind of like, you know, and basically I just took her out in the garage one day and I said, hey, if you can start a business out of what we have here, then let's do it. And she was like, well, can I make some shirts for my friends at school? And I said, absolutely. What do you want to say? How old
0: was was your daughter when you started doing that? She was in fifth grade, I think, fifth or sixth grade. And how old is she she now? She is 22. Fuck yeah. That's so, so cool.
3: uh, yeah, so, and it just became like, oh, so-and-so wants one, so-and-so wants one. And yeah. so, like, I kind of tried to let her steer the ship and, like, you know, and so we would go to different conventions and set up booths and had a website and we're sponsoring all these Instagram kids. And and we made a hat that was insanely popular. And oh, really? I'm going to tell you about it. And it's, it, it's just so, it's one of those things you can't fight it. It, it was... <laughs> The (laughs) and I came up with it. There's uh, there was a term in her world of Instagram probably seven years ago Uh where younger girls would call the older, more popular Instagram girls mom. So, like, everything was like, Oh, this is so mom that oh my gosh, you're mom. So, we put mom on a hat, and it Uh was just one of those things, like.
0: Everyone bought them. It was like the Forrest Gump smiley face. Thing.
3: Yes, <laughs> yeah. and it was it was the one item we had that did that. I mean, so wow. it was easy to measure. Like, okay, that's the one thing everyone has to have. So we would so have people just like, for
0: context. Like, this is like when I would see like a Beyonce post <laughs> and, or something, and and they'd be like, "Oh, bless you, mom," and like, yeah, like with it, like it, praising that's hands. The context, right? Yes, exactly. Okay, okay. I'm might... and then. I got to make sure I'm staying, (laughs) you know.
3: I'll send you guys some.
0: We got to be careful at our age, you know. (laughs)
3: Uh, But so we made this hat and uh, we were sitting with our tax uh, friends that do our taxes. And they were like asking us about these events we do. And we're like, oh, we made this dumb hat that just says mom. It's a (laughs) pink hat with white thread. And we're outsourcing these to, you know, a a place in the next town from us. And they're doing them cheap. But sometimes we need like more the next day. Like if we would do something local, we'd run out the first day and then what kind of volume we talking like hundreds at a time uh like i think the last time we did we did an event in anaheim called vidcon which okay. is like used to be owned by youtube and is like one of those come meet your favorite youtubers and and sure. that kind of a thing and uh i want to say we did 10 dozen and sold them in like an hour and a half or something wow that's so cool yeah and i had friends going to this place in santa ana like coming to a convention center me running out a side door and just grabbing boxes of hats and running inside with just wow. a line of kids and uh <laughs> so Long story short, um, our friends that do our taxes, one of them worked at Kings Road Merch, the merch oh, company yeah. that the Apatow guys run. Yeah. And he's like, oh, we've got an embroidered machine It's just sitting around. And I'm like, how do you have an embroidery Oh, it's brand new. It just came out of a big crate. Oh, and shit. they made uh, like six or seven hats and they were like, well, like, like we're not built for this kind of because it, it's a lot of hands on. And you have to have a laptop that controls it and stuff. And
0: right, and right. Is it like a CNC machine? Like, how do you get it's a, like it's a the Melco- file like into an embroidery machine?
3: Oh, like oh, does- it's 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 more simple than I had presumed originally. Okay, um, it's a Melco sixteen head, so it's got sixteen threads on top that it can uh-huh. pull from. So yeah. you can do up to sixteen threads on one color. Thankfully we do 99% of what we do is one color thread. Um, So you have a laptop that has basically like a Photoshop type uh, program on it. And you just need to get your image digitized and there's a, software that's included in it but it's kind of hokey sometimes but you can outsource to places that will digitize your image for 20 to 30 bucks right and and they literally just send you a file that your computer recognizes and you just you just push the buttons and it starts man that's so cool yeah so we picked it up uh i want to say they paid like 10 grand for it and I was embarrassed when I offered them what we did, and they went, "Yep, come, 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 get it." <laughs> yeah, they were just
0: like, "It's just taking up room anyway." Yeah, like, yeah, yeah,
3: and and they would have had to hire somebody to sit there and run it. And I think they right. might have thought it could be like, you know, like a record press, like oh, I'll fill it with material and stick labels okay. on the pin, and it'll just sit there and make records all day. And so the whole like
0: like needing a kiosk at the mall. To do this makes more sense. Why they need a kiosk at the mall? Right, embroidery. right. You want to yeah. have like a, a setup of <laughs> oh, look at all these different color hats
3: and these right. are the kind of designs we can do and and literally the place we were outsourcing to was a place in a mall that would do whatever you want. Oh, you want a hat that says security on it. Great. It'll say security on it. And, uh, it's a place my wife had gone to in high school when they got stuff made, you know, for their friends and stuff. So, uh,
0: we cut that guy's business in half and just moved it into our living room. (laughs) It's fascinating. So what happened to the, uh, I mean, do you still keep the hat in production? What Like if that started in fifth grade, like where's that, uh, company stand today?
3: Uh, It unfortunately um, went... It went under like right before covid um, uh, okay I wish Covid would have killed it because then it would have been like, oh that 's the reason but <laughs> right. uh, our our <laughs> nice daughter was, yeah, our daughter was getting older, and she was like well i 'm not really into this stuff anymore, I said, but mm. are you into money <laughs> like <do> you, <laughs> right. you you yeah. already know what you 're doing, your Instagram has I think it had like hundred and thirty thousand followers wow. like a, like this is yours, you know. And in and, this day and age, that's like that's like a bar of gold, right? Like having that many followers, like, right? And yeah. and so her interest in it kind of waned. And I was, my wife and I were put in the position, of like, okay, now we have to do all the PR work with, like, hey, right. you know, Jenny, would you right. like a sweatshirt? And then she'll go, oh my gosh, yeah, my rates per picture are one hundred and fifty dollars. And we're like, <laughs> okay, like everyone figured out the game. You know, sure. and for what it's worth, and then like, okay, well, Jenny wants 150 bucks for three photos. Are her Instagram followers real? Does she have right. engagement? Do people listen to her? And sure. it became like, okay, this is either my my full time job or running this record label is is my full time wow. job. So
0: yeah, yeah.
3: Uh, so we've got uh, we got a little bit of leftover. We don't have any mom hats though.
0: <laughs> it's so interesting because uh, you, you must have found yourself in such a a. um you know, completely different world than sort of you came out of. Oh, you know, he- when everything is so, you know, the world you came out of is so, so analog and so everything yeah. is in your hands and then you're in this. Uh, kind of digital arena where you, you're not sure even like what's real. <laughs> it must yeah, have been bizarre. And, and I think uh,
3: our tolerance for like, hey, we were that age once, like we we couldn't scoff at everything. Uh, and, you know, we met a lot of incredible people and uh, we we did some like some uh, individual designs for some people that have gone on to do bigger things. And, and we worked with some rad people. But uh, the most interesting situation I think we ever got in was uh, we we actually drove from California to Florida for um, a big weekend event. This three-day event that happens every year out there,
0: and cool. it was like a family tour.
3: Oh yeah, and and it was great because I <laughs> love driving cross country. Sure, so, yeah, that's.
0: You must yeah. have done that a bunch of times.
3: Right. And so talking to this company, they were like, uh, oh, hey, to be a sponsor is this much money. And I'm like, hey, we're driving from California. Right. You know, oh, well, can you screen print at our, you know, outsource to our place? And I'm like, no, the reason we can afford to drive to California is because we're doing all this stuff in the garage. Right. And so they were like, okay, so we'd go out there. It would literally cost us a couple hundred bucks to have a booth for a weekend. Okay. And when I got there... um. I was looking on Instagram and I saw a friend of mine was at the event. Okay. And I just sent him a picture of me, you know, in front of like a big banner for the thing. He was like, "What the hell? Are you, what are you doing here?" And so we started <laughs> yeah. talking. And he was like, "Oh, I I I do security for the guy that owns this thing." And I was like, "Really? What what the hell's going on?" He goes, "Have you met, you know, all the the all the sponsor reps?" And I was like, "No." And he goes, "Dude, they're all hardcore guys." What? And I was like, "What the fuck?" And he goes, "Oh, and, and oh, this guy used to do all the shows in Miami and this guy's brother oh, used no to be in what's it called?" And like literally like all these guys were with like you know, straight edge or
0: you know Star Wars tattoos or whatever, and I'm just like, this is just bizarre. Like, how wow. did we all end up here? <laughs> That's interesting. So actually, this all ties together in my head because you know I was a I was a promoter and stuff too when I was a, a little kid, and mm-hmm. I think a lot about you know just the idea of like entrepreneurship and like you know what just like fueled. The intensity to try to get involved in your own scene that early. Mm -hmm. And then I I saw that you, uh, at 13 years old, had a zine called Universal (laughs) Brain Basher. Um, which is awesome, but I mean, what a fucking, for 13, having that name for your zine is amazing. And at that age, you know, like interviewed King Diamond, apparently. Yes. And, you know, yes. so, so when you tell me this story about your daughter and, you know, I, I wonder, was it kind of the same condition you grew up in? Like, did you have, uh, you know, the parents who were really, uh, helpful in getting things like this started and and helpful in, you know, your, your personal entrepreneurship? Like that. Uh, yeah. And, and I think
3: when, uh, well, when I started doing the zine, when I was in what, like a junior high, I guess, um, my dad had like a suit and tie job and he would be running off copies of the zine <laughs> in his office. Yes. So like, literally I like, like my dad designed, my dad designed radars for battleships. So he's literally oh, okay. in his office running off copies of, you know, my interview with whoever or, you know, a Metallica record review or
0: whatever. Um, it sounds like the, if, that, if that was these days, I don't know if you could get away with, <laughs> oh, I'm with sure. pressing universal brain basher <laughs> at the radar office.
3: <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, I'm sure it'd be confiscated and, and yeah, destroyed, um but yeah, my parents were always super super um motivational, like my mom was the president of Little League baseball, and like oh, like nice. they were very like hands on and doing stuff and and so I just getting into music early on, like I just saw other people doing stuff, and went, well, what's stopping me sure you know and and though I lacked credibility and any ability to write something. Yeah that could be interesting. Um like I just kind of just did stuff and that's the beauty
0: of youth, isn't it? You don't, oh, you don't care yet completely. completely. You're like credible. I like yeah, I'm credible. <laughs> yeah.
3: Of course do, I do am. Do you need me to tell you about King Diamond, yeah, you know? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh yeah, I think just like when it, came time to start doing the record label or when I had the thought of it, it was just like, I know bands and I found an ad in a magazine that presses your records. And like, Uh. you know, just a lot of shoulder shrugging, like, well, you know, and I told my parents and I, you know, they came, from a time when like you don't just start
0: a record label like you know right.
3: out of our house you know like yeah 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 like it, it
0: just 60s model of right. like giant buildings in LA yeah yeah because like, cause like yeah. Oh,
3: a box of records is just gonna arrive at your doorstep and it's like <laughs> right it's supposed to be there you know yeah, uh-huh. um what do you remember what magazine the ad was in oh yeah it was um It was uh, was either LA Connection or, like, one of those music magazines. It might have been Bam. Oh, it might have been Music Trader. Like it's mm. there were just a lot of those like in the early eighties with all of the LA metal scene. Uh, like everything was like where to get your flyers printed, where to get your records pressed, oh, uh right. where to buy your, huh. you know, leather jackets or whatever. Yeah, like there's that. like
0: a kind of sub industry like oh, Absolutely. On a, that's cool. Yeah. yeah,
3: absolutely. And I just found a place that was like press a thousand seven inches for you know, I got I should have kept the ad, but um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's got to exist somewhere. It's a micro, (laughs) micro fish
0: or something. Right. Cause
3: I, I actually ended up dealing with a broker that had taken it somewhere, you know, and, and I don't know what plant it was, but, uh, by the time I was ready for the second pressing, they were out of business and then put me in touch with, uh, another pressing plant that I stayed with for 28 years or something. So
0: At, at 13, how did you get to King Diamond? Like Like these days, you know, you could find an email on a website, slip into a DM or something, you know. Like, oh, like did you write him? Well, no. Um, the label he was on
3: had been sending me releases to review. Oh really? And and I think, so universal
0: brain basher was already like oh like <laughs> like like cemented enough that you were getting <laughs> records for review. That's awesome. Oh, that was the
3: greatest thing coming home from school, yeah, being in junior high and being like, oh fucking amazing! I just got free records in the mail. Yeah, like f- you like know, the dream. Oh yeah. yeah, and or like a T-shirt or stickers or like some bands would send like VHS tapes of like. Oh, you know, here's three of our shows from, you know, oh yeah, Chicago or wherever. But right, right. But I got a letter one day and it said, "Oh, King Diamond's going to be visiting our offices for, you know, on these two days and between these times and and call for a uh, call for a spot." And I was like, "It is that really going to happen?" Like I didn't even drive. My brother had to drive me to interview King Diamond. <laughs> and where was it? It was At down the- uh it was down at wherever their offices were i think it was like studio city or somewhere okay. like a just just north of la and king diamond was just chilling there like all day <laughs> doing various
0: press like
3: yeah people were just circulating in and out and wow. and i got there before my interview and uh i started the interview and somebody came in and told him the one after me canceled so i got to interview wow. like like just Shot the shit with him like for so long. I'm like, I kind of forgot I'm sitting here talking to King Diamond.
0: That's so cool. Yeah, and would well, you it, have like a dictaphone in those days, or were I, you doing shorthand?
3: I had a Panasonic cassette recorder, right? Yeah, and uh, and I, I think the tape ran out at the end, and I was just like, oh, and I don't have a second tape. That's how tell me you have those
0: tapes. Though.
3: I I have looked for them, and my brother, it was his tape recorder also, <laughs> and I I've, I've searched and searched, and I don't. There, I have the, the originals to the zine. Uh, there's one issue I think I'm missing, but I still have like a big old file folder that's got like the originals with like you know photos, just you know, glue stick in there. And uh, I love it, but yeah, it was. I and I think his label probably thought. I, I was legitimate until they saw me come through the door with like... Yeah, yeah. It's like a William Miller. Like, yeah, because I wasn't kind of a big 14-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was no sense of like, hey, this, this kid's a genius. He knows what he's doing. It's like, right. oh, this is a kid that gets you know, record sent to his parents' house and he, he runs this shitty uh, magazine. That his I bet dad somebody
0: comes. like, somebody there when you walked in was like, oh, fuck, like, <laughs> I'm getting fired. They're like, yeah. they were lucky you were cool. You know? Yeah, they yeah. were like,
3: uh-oh, I hope his interview's quick. Uh-oh, the guy behind him quit? <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, so, so you kind of switched. It seemed like, you know, you went from King Diamond and got into sort of the you know, mid-80s LA hardcore thing, which for for someone from, you know, I've I've lived in the, the tales and the shadows of, like, you know, late 70s CBGBs and 80s mm-hmm. New York hardcore. And I kind of know what it looked like. Right. But, like, that mid-80s, like, LA thing to me, in my head, you know, only looks like that scene in Dogtown, where like, Rise <laughs> Against is pretending to be Black Flag throwing shit through the window and, like, just fire and fights with cops. Like, like, I do have this kind of narrative about mid-80s LA hardcore and punk like that. And from a couple of things that I've seen you say about it, like the Olympic theater in particular. like, Oh, yeah. Is my image not, not too far off?
3: Yeah. I I mean, I look back on it, you know, with this huge glow around it, because it was such an interesting time for so many reasons. I, when I first got into heavy metal, it was all Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, and all the big arena bands. Right. at, I you know going to those shows you would see guys in the parking lot passing out flyers and I'd be like whoa this I've never heard of this venue you know like, mm. it, learning about the clubs and how that stuff worked was, was that like early
0: eighties you were going to those? yeah
3: yeah it was yeah. like eighty three probably okay. um and like you know bands like Grim Reaper and like those kind of bands that were like just kind of starting to get into MTV and mm. and like all that stuff like Grim Reaper would come through town and like headline the clubs, um. But then there was this underbelly of, like, all these bands, like, beating the clubs up, we, you know, every weekend. Right. And so I, like, that ground level was so much more appealing to me. Even though I couldn't play an instrument, I thought, like, oh, these guys are like me. And when they leave, you know, uh, the Whiskey-A-Go-Go, like he's got to go work his job the next day. Right, and so, like, right. I just thought, like, oh, these guys are real and the stuff on the big stages and the big arenas, like, that's just so far away. And I just right. felt it was like, like a this, more
0: attainable
3: model. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you could go up to those guys and go, Hey, can I interview you or when's your next show? And they were really happy to talk to you for the most sure. part. Yeah. Um, but as those as metal started to become I think maybe more glam rock and like the kind of tougher side of the LA scene like the wasps and armored saints and like those bands kind of fizzled away it was really replaced by a lot more poison and like you know those those type of bands and so like that was kind of a transitionary period for me to be like less metal and then like in high school, just immediately going to punk and hardcore and being like, Oh, this is like kind of, kind of a level, like a a lateral move to another, you know, type of music that I already, that I like that is playing the same venues I already go to. Mm. So like, you know, where Wasp and Armored Saint would play like Bad Religion and Instead played there in the nineties, you know? So like there was just this like, Oh, I already already know where these places are. I'm not having to go rediscover anything.
0: Yeah, sure. The Olympic
3: Auditorium was absolutely insane. Like <laughs> like all of the clubs were like kind of seedy, but like the Olympic people would almost die. What was know? it was it like a theater originally or something? It was it was it, from what I understand it was built in the 20s. And it's probably a seventy five hundred capacity building. It's oh, really, wow. it's really big, and it did wrestling through the forties, fifties, sixties, seventies. They did roller derby there. Mm. Um, like Rage Against the Machine shot a live DVD from there. Right, um, right. They used to do Channel Thirteen had wrestling and roller derby on the weekends. I mean, it was a really big place. Like ECW came there, you know, in ninety nine. I want to say and sold the place out to the rafters. Um, it was. It's just a super big place, but like Anthrax and and Blast, and you know different bands would play the Dead Kennedys played there. Uh, Circle Jerks. Everybody, you know,
0: around. How that did they time. break? Were, those bands couldn't have been that big. Like, how did they break it up for for like hardcore shows?
3: Well, that was a time when bills were very mixed. Like, you'd see Uniform Choice. And literally dead Kennedys or something like right, it, like because right. there weren't enough of one or the other, uh-huh. and I think it was oh well this is a super show and it's like seven bands and and l- just you see photos from it and you're like good God like how did <laughs> nobody die? <laughs> like <laughs> right, just, right. But like Anthrax nearly sold it out. I saw Slayer there, wow. um, but like e- like Slayer possessed and like those bands. But then you'd see like. Oh, like, you know, one of the suicidal records bands like No Mercy or something open and it'd be like, what? Like, and that was during when Anthrax was really embracing the crossover of DRI and, you know, Corrosion Conformity and like all right. those bands that like rode that, that middle ground. Huh. Um, but yeah, I saw people get beaten up there and like literally be passed out the entire show <laughs> like the show would be yeah, wrapping is up the, and- is
0: there is there like one uh night or show that you had a particular adventure at, the, <laughs> at that venue when
3: uh when blast played there um yeah
0: the-
3: <laughs> i think it was right around the time they did that Santa Cruz ad where uh they had I can't think of who it was. Somebody did like, you know, went off a launch ramp and went over them in a photo and like did a trick. (laughs) And they had a Santa Cruz skateboard when they were playing and they were like, Mm -hmm. Hey, who wants this deck? You know, who wants this board? And it was just a board, you know, with no wheels on or anything. Everyone's raising their hand and he throws it like a boomerang and it hit this guy right in the head. Like just, (laughs) just no, nonstop. Just and just, Bing! And knocked him out. And he just did that, like... Where, where your feet are just nailed to the ground and you just tip over. Oh, no. And, yeah, and yeah, some like the other, movie one. Like, yeah, 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 just like... Gonk. And some other guy ran up, grabbed it, ran around the pit, and the guy just like, oh, what happened? And, uh, he didn't I mean, get the board back? He didn't know he got knocked <laughs> he out? Did, he did not get the board. Though oh, he savage. It, yeah, savage. He, he, he didn't get it. Uh, but fights were gnarly. F- like, Fender's yeah. Ballroom in Long Beach was just... Notorious. I mean, now, were they
0: like fights with hardcore kids, or were there like, was it just this weird mishmash of people who were who were going at the time?
3: Oh, it was gangs.
0: It was definitely oh really gangs. like yeah. like street gangs or like hardcore gangs.
3: No, like like gangs that that. I I don't want to say belonged there, but there were people that knew for the most part, you know, I think some people probably went for the violence, but like the suicidals had the suicidals. There were guys that dressed just like them and, you know, whether directly affiliated or not, there would be guys you're like, oh, that guy's got a bandana and he's, you know, whatever. Oh, this guy's got a shaved head. Okay. Those guys are skinheads. Like, and like there was a gang called the lads, which was the LA death squad, which was just, they'd go to every show and, and you would see five or six different gangs, give or take. Like, mm. oh, this group of guys that's all wearing something very similar. And I mean, mm. not as cool as, like, the movie The Warriors or anything. But, like, definitely, like, uniform style fitting. And there would just be bands that, when that band would start, it would just go crazy. Right. And uh, I think the most ironic thing is when Fender's Ballroom was uh, this venue that just really became... uh just brutal. I mean, just really brutal. It was much smaller than the Olympic and it, it was way more confined and there was, there was really nowhere to hide in there. And there was a time they thought, Oh, we're going to install metal detectors. We'll keep knives and guns out. And a buddy of mine said he went through and he turned around behind him and he saw the guy behind him, throw a pistol over the metal detector to (sighs) his buddy. And then they both walked in and it was just like, Oh, what do you like? Yeah, like, the security yeah. just goes, we didn't see anything. Like, w- what right. do you do with a guy with a gun in your venue in right. 1986? You know, it's right. just like, uh. Not much okay. you can do. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, let's just pray for uh, yeah. pray for a good night. But, yeah. There's it's-
0: always so much romanticism about stuff like that, <laughs> you know. And yeah, I think people forget, like, maybe, you know, probably people my age and younger, you know, forget that, like, in those days, it wasn't like, oh, these are just like the toughest hardcore kids. It was oh, like, completely. they're barely hardcore kids. Like, right. They're like more gang dudes yes. who need like a place to hang out Yeah, less they- <laughs> like into the spirit of hardcore. Like, right, right. They're not listening to the lyrics.
3: They're like, oh, guys are nearly fighting in the pit. Let's turn that up a notch. You exactly. Know? And yeah. Just going like, oh, my brother's in this band or hey, so and so like, oh, you guys are great. When are you playing? And there would just be that element. And Any, like, there's been a few times I've looked at photos of shows with guys, like, oh, yeah, that guy, yeah, that guy's dead. Oh, that that guy's dead. And just like, you know, oh, so and so got shot or whatever. And it's just like, that was just that element at that time. Yeah. It's a scary Uh,
0: exercise to do. Right. And I think that's
3: why none of those gangs, you know, exist, I I believe, outwardly and where you see them at,
0: you know, random events or anything. So, I mean, and then you kind of went full tilt into the, you know, straight edge movement. And Mm -hmm. I guess, you know, dare to say like a more positively infused scene, you know, the kinds of bands that uh, you were in and you were coming out of, like, do you think that that was an answer for some kids your age? Like, like the scene got, you know, violent and kind of out of hand and this was a way to kind of uh, re-identify hardcore for for yourself in a way? I think so.
3: And, and when I got into punk and hardcore, I was nearly straight edge anyway. So okay. I was like, you Sounds know. like uh, one of your
0: attractions to it almost. Yeah. And yeah.
3: and I had seen, you know, like my dad had a DUI when I was a kid. And like there were, there were things that were like definite red flags for like, oh, continuing on with this family tradition is not going to do anybody any good and right sure and also i was thankfully kind of scared of a lot of stuff you know like oh (laughs) you know (laughs) so and so overdosed on drugs like you know and you just yeah like thankfully i was absorbing all of that oh that helped me
0: too you know what's interesting i think the thing you said earlier about being the type of person who can see themselves like you see a show happening and you imagine you're the type of person oh why can't i do a show or like, why can't I put out a zine? Are the same types of people who go, why can't I overdose? Right. If that person did, you know, why can't I let drinking get too far? It's like right. like this interesting kind of empathy, I guess, that kind of, yeah, it makes sense why, why you were, you know, thinking like that, I guess.
3: Right. And even like when I would drink or do like smoke or whatever, when I was younger, like I never had like that great experience. Like, you know, you're out at the lake with all your buddies and, you know, (laughs) cue the music. And you're just like, you know, like I I didn't have any of those. Like, wow. You never found the
0: fifth dimension, bro? (laughs)
3: Yeah. Uh. I I just never had that like, oh, that's the coolest thing. You know, like I started Uh smoking when I was 10. And (laughs) so it's like, Okay, what do you do with that? uh and sneaking a beer like you know before you go b m x riding. like sure, you know, and I never liked the taste of it i never like like there was nothing that I was missing, and yeah. so I've just never had i've never had any urges for anything like it's it i don't even really think about it it's just not even a concern yeah just part um, of who you are, yeah, yeah, and it's you know, and I've seen. People come and go, and that you know have issues with with situation with substances or whatever, and um, you know I I I have reference points and I don't have reference points to sure. try to make sense of that.
0: Yeah. Not everybody has to learn the hard way, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, And I, yeah, I, I saw enough early on to go, eh, like, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, you're smart, smart and self-aware. You can't hurt. (laughs) Even though I was never straight edge, it always like, every time I was around it, I liked straight edge scene. I like straight edge people Mm -hmm. just because, because of that, you know, like, like I'm a, I'm a positive guy. And I was, I'm like, this is way better than all that tough guy shit. I'd rather, (laughs) I'm like, this is nicer. I'd rather sit with these dudes with X's on their hands at the diner than, you know, like, you know, than than the scary stuff on the other side. Are we going to really eat all of these French fries? I think so. (laughs) Jeez, guys, crazy night. Um, (laughs) So I'd be remiss to not get into like a few of the, you know, to me, the, the more like iconic, you know, new age releases and some of the stories of it, you know, mm-hmm. as someone from New Jersey, of course, Lifetime is up there among the the most important bands ever in my life. Absolutely. Um, still are. I listen to them all the time. Still on Absolutely. heavy rotation. <laughs> um, so, uh, well, how did you, how you find Lifetime and what was your like first, um, first encounters with those guys? Or oh, and and girls, actually at the
3: time. well, the early nineties uh, I drove with my mom to my mom wouldn 't fly, and she had a bunch of family in upstate New York okay so we drove cross country uh up to upstate New York, and um, I was friends with the upfront guys, and you know we had plans to hang out and they had a show in new jersey and um we drove down to, I believe it was a church or something that had this show that had, you know, it, it either, I know Lifetime and Mouthpiece played, Resurrection might have played also, or I just got in in touch with them. But there was one show where those three relationships started. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so that was just like, um, I've got to say the end of 1990, I'm going to say. Sure. Um. And that was like those those three things were a big kickoff right
0: there. So, so that was the first time you saw him play live and then did, did it immediately stand out to you? Oh, you yeah,
3: it? yeah. Lifetime I thought were so great because they were really very different but like hard but not typical and right. and yeah. uh, emotional but not typical. And um I, like I just thought that like that's something that's different. I really yeah, like it. Yeah,
0: like... Like I, I didn't have the opportunity to, to to hear Lifetime that early, and but what was it? One of those bands that when you heard it was kind of like the uh, I've never heard anything like this before, but I want more of it. Like that kind of oh, vibe.
3: absolutely, and yeah. and the label has always been driven uh, either positively or negatively with negative results. But what I listen to. Like sure, right. I've never put out a band that was like, "Oh, this is just something that's getting hyped or whatever." Like everything is like, "Oh, I listen to that. We'll listen to it. We'll continue listening to it." And um, so they were definitely a band like, "Okay, if we don't put this out or if I don't put this out, whatever, um, this is just a band I'm going to keep listening to." Yeah, you know, and and that's that's been you know probably I mean maybe or maybe not smart business because. I really came out of this music and feel that I owe it to at least give it my all to be like, oh, like this is something I think deserves time or effort or energy to hopefully lift them up and and help them do whatever they want to do as far as their plans as a band or artist go.
0: Well, I think you can feel good about the fact that often uh, uh, the best business move is often not the coolest. So, you uh, you know, even if, you know, you could, you could rest your head well at night. And I think that's probably the most important thing in the long run. You know, you're not getting yeah. sued. You know, you yeah. don't have a record on your label. You're like, I just fucking hate that record. I don't know. You know? So, I think you're good. I think you're good.
1: Thank um, you.
0: So, did anything stand out about, like, the the people in Lifetime? Like, did you... See a different kind of like drive or energy in them.
3: Well, I'd met like, uh, I'd met Ari on the Upfront tour when he played drums when they came to California in. Ari 80. was playing drums and Upfront. Ari played drums and Upfront when they came out on wow. their U.S. tour in '89, <laughs> and they actually played Fender's Ballroom. Is that was one of the last wow. shows I think Fender's ever had.
0: That's so cool. Um,
3: so, and that was funny because like, wow, why are they playing that place? You know, and it was a huge, you know, 95% straight edge show, which I don't think had ever happened there before. But that was kind of the ending of the mixed bills era, I think, as right, the right. 90s kicked in. Um, but I met Ari, super cool, uh, stayed with uh, a friend of mine and like they camped out for a few days, hung out, met him there. And then, you know, once once he was out of up front and got Lifetime going, that was just like, oh, I already kind of know this guy, and like, up oh, they'll put out a record, and they are there. I think they had already started recording. Um, I can't remember offhand, but uh, it was just like an easy relationship to step into, and then you meet Danny, Yeaman and you're like, okay, this is, is you know, like, how you're like this people, is obviously going to yeah, move in no direction. This, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, how can this get any better? Right, you know, yeah, and, yeah. Uh,
0: classic character oh one of a kind one of a kind he's one of i in in the i think it was 1996 my brother and i made a a run of six t-shirts that said the jewish mafia on front Uh uh-huh and on the back had a star david with njjc (laughs) which meant new jersey jew corps and Dan Eamon is a proud owner of one of those six. I think he even bought it. I think I even made him buy it. Oh, wow. So he's like, I need, I want that. I'm, I'd love to know if Dan Eamon still has that shirt.
3: Oh, that, that's the interview. Okay, our first
0: question today <laughs> yes, is, Dan, we've really got to find Do out. you have your Jewish Mafia shirt? <laughs> um, and what about, uh, did you meet uh, Turning Point kind of through the same scene? Uh, how did I meet? Turning Point, uh,
3: a buddy of mine from out here went, uh, he actually jumped on the Upfront tour, took uh, went back to the East Coast with them and then flew home. Okay. And when he was out there, he met Skip. And he told Skip about the label. Uh, and we already, of course, knew about Turning Point. And my buddy was just like, they said they don't have a label and they, you know, You got every, you got a shot as much as anyone else does. And I was like, oh, okay. And just asked them and it was immediate. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, I'm going to put out an LP, like, holy shit, you know? Mm. And, uh, sent them recording money and they sent me back this record that just fucking blew my socks off, you know? Nice. And then I ended up, uh, I, God, I, I hung out with Skip and Jay at some point. Oh well, it was 1990. I would have it would have been during that
0: upfront trip because I was already out there. And so, so it seems like kind of when this whole scene was sort of starting to really coalesce. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It must have been at that same time because I've got pictures with those guys and it's in New Jersey
3: and I don't think I went out there in '91 or anything. And and it would
0: have been like very close to the time the record came out. Okay, so. I've contested many t- even on this program, I've contested this before, that that New Jersey, you know, mm-hmm. which I'm proudly from, and bands like two of which you put out, Lifetime, Turning Point, and then, you know, from my end, you know, like Shades Apart, Vision, mm-hmm. were, were kind of like huge factors in the subsequent uh, scenes of New Jersey and the bands that broke from here, you know, mm-hmm. like. Saves the day or Thursday, My Chemical Romance, even mm-hmm. Gaslight Anthem. Like you know, I feel like uh in the narrative of of Hardcore, like the West Coast kind of gets the uh the credit for that molding of um you know melodic punk, I guess, you know, like you know, starting with maybe like Dag Nasty and stuff like that. But I always like to plant our flag a little bit, thinking that. You know, New Jersey had something to do with this. Um, like from your end, being a West Coaster, like, could you tell there was like a very specific scene coming on out here or like, like, was there anything standing out about, about Jersey at the time? Well, Lifetime
3: to me stuck out so much because for reasons like they they were a band that just had such heavy parts, right? but the vocals and the lyrics were both melodic and personal. But like, how can you be like crushing during like slower parts? Like, I, I think it was just a weird mix that hadn't been done that way before. Right. That had tons of melody and like, you know... Merch that had a flower on it or whatever, like I, I think that wasn't what was expected or easily embraced, but like by what had been going on, that yeah. it was the new the new thing. Like this and they is what some shit happen. for that too. Right? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> and. You know, having, I think also, uh, you know, they had the song on the 7 is that mentioned, you know, some of his favorite bands and stuff and about how how much hardcore means to him. And I, I remember that getting joked on a little bit and being like, are you kidding me? Like, how does referencing where we all are that we're in the middle of, you can't say you care about it? Yeah. And, and you can't tip your hat to that right. generation before you that is the reason why you're doing a band. Yeah. And I I, I just it's
0: you know, weird, I just remember it? Yeah, it, it's a strange it's like we think we were in this like this open place, you know, right, where like you right. could be artistically free and stuff and really like <laughs> the rules were pretty fucking serious, like about <laughs> what you were supposed to be and like right. how you're supposed to act and look yeah. and like all those things. Yeah. Yeah. It Didn't you get the pamphlet? The Come on yeah right exactly <laughs> they're like their genes just don't look right right exactly
1: yeah. exactly
0: <laughs> so so do you agree though that that new jersey deserves s- some credit in the uh the building of these melodic punk and hardcore scenes a oh, little more than we get absolutely absolutely okay. and and i remember i just needed your tip of the cap,
3: <laughs> i remember at that time Reflecting more like, okay, how come we're dropping the ball out here? Because I think oh, really? that was a time when so many things—and I mean, that's to my vantage point. Like, who knows what I was seeing? But right, my little like,
0: self deprecated
3: Yeah, like where I was <laughs> sure. looking, and I'm like, hey, let's pick up the ball. You know, like let's let's get
0: things moving. Yeah, because from like, the East Coast, it was like, wait, how many fucking scenes are within like one hour of each right. other out there? You know, I'm like, right. they got Oxnard, they got LA, they got this, this, this. I'm like. I'm like, in New Jersey, you have to drive 45 minutes to get to any show. <laughs> and like, you know, and now there's like all these different scenes in this. Yeah. So from our angle, you you guys are pretty bountiful right there as well. <laughs> well I, I
3: think it's like where you're at, it's hard to see past that, you know, exactly. That, yeah. that
0: layer that's so close to you. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about that. Some of my older friends, you know, from the old kind of New Brunswick scene, uh-huh. Where we had this great, like, vibrant basement scene, you know, lifetime oh, included. Yes. Right. And uh, at the time, like, we really, did, we had no conception that it was special at all. I really thought that this was, like, what was happening in, like, every city in America. Wow. You know? like, like, we all had, like, 10 different basements and three right. different shows every weekend <laughs> and all these touring bands coming through. Like, I, I thought everyone else had it and it took... Getting older and traveling around, they're kind of realizing yeah. it's special, you know. Going wait, California doesn't even have basements. What the heck? <laughs>
3: right? <laughs> How do you guys have shows? Yeah. You got to call a venue every time.
0: Yeah, Jesus! Yeah. <laughs> if I had to play in my garage, like my neighbors would be be there in two seconds.
3: <laughs> oh yeah. Luckily, th- there was a time in the early '90s when garage shows, uh, you know, had a jumping-off point, but it, it didn't yeah. last too
0: long. Yeah, those are some of the coolest uh, videos. You can find of the oh, yeah. scene or those really packed crazy garage shows.
2: Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much. Like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring.
0: So like most people, I have an unbroken life love regret tattoo. Uh-huh. Um, I think I'm among how many people in the world do you think have like a life love regret tattoo? We talking uh, in the thousands or hundreds.
3: I've probably seen fifty, so I'm gonna times that by who knows what. Um I'd say there's five hundred ish. That's my there's a lot.
0: There's yeah, there's there's definitely a lot. Um so I mean, so I mean, just that uh, as an example for how impactful that record was and mm-hmm. is around the world. Um, and and I heard the story that that not only did that record cost eight hundred fifty dollars to make, <laughs> but Unbroken gave you change when they were done. Yes. So can yeah. you tell me the quick yeah. story about how uh, they? I guess what, what, what did that band sound like when you met them? And, and, you know, I guess if they record that fast, did they have like that much focus? Like, what what were they like? Well, uh, I mean, they
3: were very simple guys and I think they know, they knew what they wanted and they didn't want to overdo anything. Mm. And it was simply like, Oh, we've got these X amount of songs. It's like, we practice them at practice. It's going to take us what? that amount of time times two or three maybe you know and they just would book like a day or you know two half days or whatever it was and um you know the studios that they recorded at were all very basic you know minimal minimal studios and when they went to record life love regret and one of their things that they would often do is by like they would record the record and then the record would go to the plant and blah 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 and luckily it was quicker then than it is now but right. they were always writing new music mm. and when the record would come out they'd already be like oh that old thing you know and cuz they cool. were yeah. as you can see by Sign their of a records great band. yeah and you could see by their records that they were they were constantly evolving yeah and so that you know was just this like constant you know you can tell in the records when they got to their final recordings that they were like oh you guys got to the place you know and too bad there wasn't an lp of that you know Mm. um but yeah for life love regret they were like oh we're just we probably need like a thousand bucks and i was like (laughs) okay (laughs) like everyone else is spending two three four and right and uh and they were going to the studio they wanted to go to, and and uh, and they went, and they showed up at a show like the weekend after with a cassette. And I've still got the cassette that they gave me, Sick. the reference tape. Like, oh hey, here's the record, and we sat and listened to it in the car. And they were like, oh hey, and gave me 150 bucks, and I was like, oh what's this for? <laughs> oh well, we didn't use all the money. <laughs> like, oh, my here's goodness. your change. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so what a what an amazing like. That must have been a nice experience sitting in that car. You're listening to oh, Life, Love, Regret for the first right. time on cassette. And then you even get 150 bucks cash in your pocket. That's like <laughs> that's like hitting the lottery that day. <laughs>
3: and and it's not like, like they could have just, hey, let's just order some pizzas or yeah, hey, let's anything. go to dinner yeah. afterwards. Like, like, like that's shit. just, I mean, that's a, you know. There's been a few times in my life when I've seen people be that honest or generous and it's just,
0: you know, it's just, that's just the guys they are, you know. Yeah, it's, um, that's such a cool mythological tale because it's almost like, you know, the true essence of like, you know, community and hardcore right. and the things people right. actually talk about are doing, it's doing shit like that. It's like, yeah. you still have 150 bucks, go use it. <laughs> <laughs> to, for another band for, yeah. you know, any number of things that could be useful. Right. You, you just don't see that very much. Yeah. It's really. like, Hey,
3: let's, let's not say anything and just all get gas in our cars, you know, like, yeah, right. a, you know, anything. driving up from San Diego yeah. to, you know, Orange County isn't cheap. And-
0: 150 by it goes quick. Even in those days. Yeah. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, so when you, ha- how long did it take, um, after you put that record out to realize it was having kind of a broad impact like that?
3: Well, I don't think they stayed around long enough to really yeah. enjoy the record. It's True, um, yeah. you know, it came out, and we drove to the East Coast for a. Uh, we drove to the East Coast and did a series of shows with Mouthpiece, and um, I, I can't saw remember. one of them.
0: The one time I saw him. Oh, which show was it? I think it was at a. It was like a hall down in like South Jersey somewhere. Um, yeah, I forget the name of it. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't think it was a venue venue, though. Um, Or no, at the Down Under in New Brunswick. Mm -hmm. I got to look it up. I have to reference. I have to reference. But I got to see Unbroken one time when I was like a little kid, like 12. And, And it was the shows with mouthpiece? It could. I mean, that makes sense to me. But now that we're talking about it, I'd have to reference it. Yeah. Okay. I was at um, a bunch of those why where were those shows do you remember
3: uh, I'm trying to think offhand uh, I think there was a Virginia Beach show um, there had to have been a New Jersey show if Mouthpiece was on it
0: um, gosh for some reason I think for some reason the down under in New Brunswick is coming to mind okay that I think I'm broken played there the guys in uh, a band called strength six nine one okay were, we're running that venue at the time that would have yeah i think that probably would have been an easy fit but Um, yeah but yeah we gotta look if anybody i'm sure some some nerds gonna be listening to this and it's gonna correct (laughs) certainly correct both we'll get
3: aggregated
0: (laughs) i'm sure we'll get aggregated he's
3: punching his phone right now how could you forget
0: that what are you talking about (laughs) this was the lineup it was five dollars four with a can of food yeah (laughs) No, it is <laughs> true though. I because I do remember like Unbroken's impact really happened. At, you know, after you even had a chance to see them anymore. Right. Like like right. they were. By the time like someone like me like got to that record and was really digging into it, I don't think I had a chance to see them anymore. Yeah,
3: right. And, and you know, they like the last shows they played out here were enormous you know and so like I, those
0: shows like
3: oh i mean they played the showcase uh oh, and wow. i mean the show was sold out and i would say there was 500 people in there wow. which is over capacity yeah. they played the shea cafe which was in san diego oh, yeah. that was I played that you place. know a place they played a bunch they had to play outside just to get more people in there so they played wow. it if you remember there's like a big courtyard they played in the courtyard and people were on the roof of the building wow cool yeah and it was just like they wanted that to be the like they just valued the things they they could have played bigger venues and made more money and that just wasn't them sure um, but yeah I don't think that they I don't think I or they realized what had been done with that record you know uh, they they did the seven inch the two song seven inch immediately after which right. definitely didn't have time to sink in with anyone mm-hmm. and uh so, you know, and and bands that were touring constantly were making their presence a lot more known than Unbroken who did like a lot more scattered things.
0: Do you think if a band like, you know, I always wonder this and I think the rash of reunion shows we've seen over the last like, you know, mm-hmm. 10 years or so, a lot of them I think have to do with the fact that these bands that were around and great and working really hard and trying to be full-time bands... Mm -hmm. couldn't find enough of an audience or enough money to keep it floating for themselves and kind of had to stop. And then, you know, 10, 20 years later, the whole industry, for lack of a better word, of like hardcore and punk is so much bigger Uh that you can actually make a living like doing this now. Like, do you think if Unbroken was around in, you know, 2005 and they actually, you know, could get on a fuck whatever like a warp tour like something like that like they would have broken up um I, I don't know because
3: when they broke up it just like I think they were just kind of done with it
0: you know uh, I don't so think it was like a musical I, ceiling
3: yeah I, and I think you know I know Dave living out of state was an issue but like thankfully they've never been a band that's really been too polished or too overproduced so Mm, and the fact that they were so incredible live and by that I mean moving and playing and crowd and everything it's not like they were conducting the symphony that had to hit every note Mm -hmm. and like when you saw them live you heard those records like those records were one take you know two guitar tracks they were very basic and which was very interesting because that was getting into a time when people were kind of figuring out studios a little better, like, Oh, Hey, let's do seven guitar tracks and let's do this and let's do that. And I think the fact that they stayed very true with, this is how we sound either way recorded or live. um, I think that a lack of practice or the distance between members, getting together for things never seemed to affect them, at least as far as I knew as a listener. Nobody ever said, oh, that one song they just really botched or whatever. I mean, (laughs) Unbroken was like a big experience. It wasn't just you know oh i heard my favorite song we can we can take off early now and and uh <laughs> right right you you know, yeah and, you
0: were you were dug in for yeah
3: uh, yeah and so i think if they i mean it's obvious that if they do anything at any time it's going to be successful and when we did uh, a new age showcase show in 2018 uh i was asking them if they wanted to play and they were just you know uniformly like we played our last show whenever whenever it was it was unbelievable if we played another show and it wasn't as unbelievable, we'd be really mad that we did that great show. And then like, oh, we did one and we weren't really happy with it. So they just kind of stuck to that. And I mean, that's incredible. That just shows that they're not just like, hey, we could make a grip of cash and not saying they shouldn't do whatever they want to do and not saying they might not do that in a couple of years or in a couple of days, but uh, that was their, their, you know, their joint feeling on
0: the thing was just like, yeah, yeah, that show we played, that was the last show. It's kind of reassuring to hear every once in a while, you know? Right, <laughs> like, right. Because it, it's true. I mean, how how old are those guys now? You know, what, mid-40s? Uh, yeah, early older? and mid, probably, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, like, it's true. That's where I would, you know, I know for the the fan or, or something, you would uh, maybe lean a different way. But if you get... Right. A bunch of people together again in their mid to late 40s. You know, you practice half a dozen times uh-huh. on gear you haven't used in a long time <laughs> with different kinds of bodies and different kind of energy. And right. and you try to go do something you did when you were in your, your early 20s, like... I mean, they're smart. They're right. It's not going to feel the same way. It, right. It's the, it's that whole, um, battle that what Robert Plant and Jimmy Page are having is <laughs> like, Jimmy Page has wanted Led Zeppelin to tour and play for like 20 years. Like he doesn't <laughs> give a shit. He'll right. like, he's like, put any drummer there, Jason Bonham. I don't care. Right. He doesn't even call John Paul Jones. And Robert <laughs> Plant is just on top of like an ashram somewhere. With Alison Krauss just being like, <laughs> you know what? I love my life. I, I think I'll look stupid doing it. Zeppelin was great. Like right. and, and I remember his quote, he's like, there's only one reason people do that, and it's because they're bored. And he's right. like, I like my life. He's like, I'm doing cool <laughs> stuff. I don't feel the need, you know? Yeah. And I appreciate that too. Led Zeppelin's my my all time favorite band. And like, I don't really want to see Robert Plant and Jimmy Page like kicking it up there right now. Right. But, I got YouTube, man. You know, I'm, I want to live, want to live in the moment. Like, yeah, that yeah, it, moment.
3: Yeah, it comes with so many mixed feelings, and it, you know, we get to sit back and say, "I'm glad it didn't happen," and then if it's gonna happen, you're ready to. Uh, How am I gonna feel about this? And you get right. that perspective, and and yeah, it's it's interesting to see a lot of bands busy tour- I mean like Circle Jerks and stuff touring it's like they're not doing a weekend they're doing weeks of touring yeah they're and, like
1: in it
0: yeah
3: yeah, and and it's just interesting to see you know to see where bands are headed like oh are we doing a weekend of reunions like is it a cash grab is it not like who cares like are they gonna be good are they gonna be happy is it gonna be you know successful to them personally are they gonna be glad they did it yeah You know, I think so
0: much of that is driven by, like, an internal feeling, right? Like, if you have people who are older, you're like, I have this thing. We all love these songs. We all love each other. Right. There are still people out there who can enjoy this music. Like, let's go have fun and make some money. Like, great. You know, like, if you put that kind of expectation on it, you know? But I think people shoot themselves in the foot when they get into that with the wrong attitude, you know, like right. you have to, it has to be light like that or else it's just like doom for failure. I think.
3: Yeah. You're going to drive yourself nuts if you're like, okay, every, you know, sending out group right. text, everybody, you know, 30 minutes on the treadmill today. Six months. We got two days, boys. Yeah. Cause I mean, everyone's gone on with life and you've had to yeah. you know, adapt to career and family sure. and whatnot. And like, you know, uh, there's a few shining examples of like, Oh, that's what eating great and working out does for the past 20 years. Like most <laughs> of us don't have
1: that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. You're <laughs> right. You're right. It, it does often look like, uh, you know, you know how like you're at a wedding and you can tell the people who like wear suits a lot and the people who don't wear suits a lot. It's like, oh, that guy dresses like this all the
3: time. Like, yeah, he that guy.
0: He hasn't dusted off that Dag nasty shirt in, like 16 years. Yeah,
3: <laughs> something look right up there. Yeah. It's and true. you know, it's funny. Uh, you know, just thinking about recent reunions, um, seeing some of the verbal assault footage from the East Coast, like. I never thought I'd see them play again in any capacity and to see them looking like they're having fun and playing those songs. Like, I'm just like, I need 10 times that
0: I need more constantly. Yeah. You really can't front. That's yeah. You really can't front on people who just like, I went and saw my wife and I, it was actually our, (laughs) I had an odd, pre-pandemic last show which wound up being Hall & Oats.
1: Oh, um, okay.
0: Cuz cuz my wife and I like we have two little kids, we're like let's go to Atlantic City and see Hall and & Oats and have a night, you know. Right. So that ended up being like my last pre-pandemic show. But that's <laughs> the thing that stood out to me when I was at that show. I'm like these old motherfuckers look like they're having a blast. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. they're, they're playing the hits. They're smiling, they're enjoying a couple adult cocktails up there. Like, right. Like, it's got that nice, vibey cruise ship mentality. They're not taking it too seriously. Like That's what it, right. That's right. What it needs and- to be. Or it needs to be the reverse. And that's like, you know, just recently, like, Gaslight Anthem just said we're going to be playing again. Uh-huh. And it was really important for us to include the fact that, like, new music is going to be in tow. Uh-huh just almost like proof to the fact that like, like this isn't just like a good time, like reunion thing. We're actually like uh-huh. trying to still do the thing and right. be creative and like, and stuff like that. And I think there just needs to be a delineation and then everyone can be happy, you know? Right. Um. So what is a a new age album, like a deep cut that you wish more people heard or like a band you think had, had, so much promise, but stopped a little early. Uh, that one
3: doesn't take me too long to grab onto. Uh, there was a band I put out in, I'm taking a stab at years. I'm going to say 04, 05. Okay. Um, it was a C, during the CD years. Um, It's a CD uh, for a band called Countdown to Life
0: countdown to
3: life yeah they went on to do a band called broadway calls yeah
0: that was ty's band yeah it's ty we just had ty on like a month ago he was telling me i had no idea about this band and i listened to like uh all their music they were awesome yeah Yeah. the the countdown to life record that we put out is
3: flawless wow it's 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 an example of a band i'm like if they were a local band, I would pay them to be a second guitar player or wow. something, like, just like a perfect record, and you know, through the years, I've produced um, some wrestling events and DVDs and stuff, and I've always used their music like, hey, we're going to commercial, and you hear Countdown to Life play, oh, or really? that's like you know, your soundtrack for that? Yeah, like yes. on the DVD menu, people are, yeah, like, fishing yeah. around to look at what match they want, and they're listening awesome. to Countdown to Life, so I've crowbarred them in everywhere I possibly could nice. and um you know a, a few instances of like oh we're looking for royalty music royalty free music for movies or whatever that's that's always been my go-to because they just had these incredible parts like their songwriting was just next level and the guitar tones uh just phenomenal and they recorded most of it in my house at the time oh um, really yeah and we toured with those 18 toured with those guys a bunch right. and and just absolute sweethearts you know guys and that record was just, you know, was really powerful, really emotional. And, um, and I just really was like, wow, how come nobody's getting it? Like Mm -hmm. nobody's getting this record. And I've personally opened probably eight or nine of those CDs in my life to, Oh, I can't find my copy. And I have to go out in the garage and open a box. And get all your fresh one? (laughs) Yeah. Like I, I literally, they're scattered all over the house. I've probably got three or four in my truck, uh, just a phenomenal record. That's and, awesome. Uh, that's yeah, awesome. Just, but Ty was, Ty inspired me as far as guitar tones and stuff, because he right. was just doing shit, you know, like, oh, you're looping that through that. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. And just, and and using a Telecaster that sounded
0: like a million, you know, a million bucks. And, uh I so, hadn't realized what a ripper he was. Like, oh, you know, we toured at Broadway Calls. Uh-huh. And, you know, so I knew Ty as like a, you know, melodic punk right. singer, you know, right. I, you know, even more than a guitar player. And I started doing research for this interview. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Who is this ripper? Jesus yeah. Christ. Like he's fucking shredding it. Yeah. And, <laughs>
3: and uh there's been times where they're like, Oh, Hey, we, we practiced last weekend or something. Yeah. Or, he or mentioned maybe, that in the interview. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, if that comes into play, it's, like oh when is it happening i will be there like that's a band right. i would really go anywhere to go see play live fantastic live incredibly live recorded band
0: i love it yeah all right i want to have a little fun with you you can let's, help me with something let's do it i want to create a hardcore mount rushmore <laughs> okay <laughs> but we're going to we're going to simplify it by going either like the most important or iconic band of the eighties, nineties, two thousands, and two thousand tens, like, oh like, gosh. and that can be our Rushmore. Oh my gosh!
1: I, and I let, you
0: know, let's we, we don't have to take it too seriously. Like, okay. go with your gut here, you know. Okay.
3: And we're saying the most important, or is it most important to me? Most most
0: popular? Like, let's say, the... let's say the mo- like the same way we would. You, you know, you don't want the actual Mount Rushmore dictated by your own opinion, right? Because then <laughs> the next president could just toss himself on there. So so let's say the most important to like the thing, you know, the most iconic, <sighs> maybe the band who maybe uh, drove it forward the most that decade or something. Okay.
3: Uh, well, for the 80s, uh, I guess we'll go Ian McKay maybe. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, it's, I think, uh, without a doubt, or my without a doubt, I'm yeah, saying I, a
0: doubt. It's, I mean... That's a safe one, at least. It's like people yeah. aren't going to go minor threat and be like, oh, fuck you. You know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, What's he on? Yeah, it's
3: at least way up
0: in the running, you know? Yeah.
3: Okay, I'm actually writing this down now so I can I am too, try yeah. to visualize. <laughs> okay, Ian is 80s, 90s, 90s. Was I paying attention to the 90s? I mean, you were doing a lot in the 90s, yeah. <sighs> yeah, I was breathing in a lot of plastisol ink uh, fumes, though. Um, <laughs>
0: the 90s jesus uh and and i should say this cuz i i was thinking about it a lot this doesn't mean the band had to like only exist in the 90s okay okay you know like like sick of it all had a great run in the 90s right you know like so it could be sick of it all it could be snapcase you know like 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 anyone from from that ilk you know what now that you say that i'm going to give it to sick of it all okay yeah.
3: And uh, we'll put all of them up there because I think in the 90s, they did so much for looking out for other bands right. that were coming up when they didn't have to and didn't they need almost, to. They almost like
0: kept it alive in a way.
3: Yeah. And I think they broke ground for Snapcase, for Strife, for right. a lot of those bands. Thebreed. to Breed. Yeah. To get their first taste of Europe and figure out, oh, this is how right. we can tour and not lose money and and this could something be something
0: we come to every year every other year or the twice first a year. conversation that ever happened in queens that went you got to get this fucking festival money okay <laughs> 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 something like that like, I, d- I don't deny it <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and when uh you know i i was with strife when we went with them in europe oh, and okay. there was so much to learning about this can be a business and it can be fun and right, and you yeah. can play around. Because they heart were like,
0: it. no joke about it even back oh, then, right? Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, absolutely. And to take things very serious, but be great guys and be um, willing to show you, oh, this is what we do. This is the way we do things. It, it, literally, who's going to give you like a kind of a business tutorial in any other genre of music except a band like Sick of It All? Um, right. Yeah. And yep, yep. quick side note: There was a time, uh, a talk. We're gonna t- if we're talking about bands that bring you change on your thousand dollar recording budgets. <laughs> right. There was a time when Sick of It All played. Uh, I'm sorry, Sick of It All was doing the East Coast and the South, and Strife was with them. And we played a show. I'm sorry, we got to a show in Florida, and there was a monsoon or something going on, and and just the show was completely canceled. And we had gotten to the venue. And uh, Armin from sick of it all went to like, he went around the building or something right. and he came back with like three or $400 <laughs> and he goes, Oh, Hey, I just saw, I just ran into the promoter. He wanted me to give this to you guys. And we're like, dude, there's nobody here. Yeah. And he got this look on his face He's like, no, no, no. Like I just, the guy, he was back there. He just drove off and we were like, Like he just literally gave us three or four hundred dollars out of the band fund, (laughs) right? Uh, Like, yeah, to be like a band that's uh, you know, you know, I I don't know. I guess they probably toured. Strife had toured, however, many times before or after me, but you know, in the late ninety four, when you're a band all the way out from California, you really can't afford to lose. You know, whatever you were going to yeah. make on the show, especially when you're sitting at the venue, you've already spent all the gas money. Right. And he just got this look at his face like, uh, 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 no, no, it's, it was from the promoter. And it was like, oh, you know, fuck you. Like this is your guys' money and like try to give it back to him. And he was like, no, no, I, I swear, uh, uh, you know, and it just they had given us money out of their pocket.
0: You know, and like, who knows? Maybe you strong arm that promoter. (laughs) He actually did find the guy, and now he's in a dumpster. You know, maybe you got a G out of
3: him or something. Yeah. 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 We kept seven. You guys get three. You Um, got to remember, think like a New Yorker here. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Wow, this generous guy just gave us $300. Hey, why are your knuckles all black and blue? Oh, you know, uh... actually,
0: I kept 700 of that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's move to the two thousand. Okay, 2000s. Uh, this is when we're already both getting old, so... Oh, gosh, yeah. Um so it's tricky. I know it is. Jesus. Um, suggestions are
3: welcome. As I look into <laughs> 2000, uh, I, I was definitely neck deep into the wrestling business at that point, uh, trying to play shows. Uh, the label was out
0: of business trying to make a comeback so i might be a little bit out of touch well one one band pops into mind because it's a personal favorite is maybe every time i die who you know kind of started taking you know the the old school hardcore and mixing the metal really really seriously and kind of maybe taking things to the next level and sort of inspiring other bands
3: right and i think that was a time too where bands figured out like oh we've really got to put in some work you know right, like like right. touring the us and, and things like warp tour happening that were like oh these are like fun- functioning things that happen routinely every year like bands were figuring out like i think that mechanism to be like oh we can you know let's do a self-funded tour this year, and then like, hey, we'll show, you know, the the warp tours and those kind of things, and hey, we're serious and and hope hope to get on them,
0: right, right. Um,
3: so yeah, I do remember every time I die blowing up around then, and and fest's becoming a big deal as well, right? Yeah.
0: Um. Well, it kind of changed it there, you know. Like that's where. By the two thousands, when we say hardcore, I'm not even exactly sure what we're talking about
3: anymore. Right, right. <laughs> well, yeah, and and hev- the heavy hardcore side became really marketable in a lot right, of ways, and right. labels were that might normally have passed up on bands figured out like, oh, this is you know this this side of the industry. These bands are busy
0: doing festivals or touring or anything. So as long as they sing like the dude from Nickelback in the chorus. <laughs> That, that that's usually the oh my god, that drove me so crazy in that era of music. I'm like oh. I'm like, yeah. oh this song rips, like listen to this great riff, <laughs> and then all of a sudden I'm in a chorus and it's like doo, do doo doo. Do, do. I'm like, oh man, like it's not supposed to be there. <laughs> Who agreed to that shit? Yeah, when did this start? <laughs> oh, oh, thanks.
3: <laughs> yeah, and I think that was also a big era for victory to just be swooping up and promoting bands you may may or may not have ever heard of and just becoming massive. Yeah. Um, and Trust Kill. And, uh, and a lot of sure. those bands really just, uh, or a lot of those labels really just... uh you know or figuring out or you know some figured out business some went belly Maybe we'll for.
0: give poison the well some love for the Yeah, 2000s. throw
3: them up there.
0: Yeah, that could be close Why to not? Rushmore. All right, so <laughs> do we just abandon 2010s then? <laughs> <laughs> God. I mean, uh, I, mean, I listened to a lot of turnstile this year. I don't know. <laughs> oh, they
3: they are going to take up the next couple decades. They're yeah. doing so well. And you know what? I, I know uh, they are a topic of like, oh, is it good or is it bad? And it's like, how can you shit on anyone's success when they are doing... As well as they're doing, oh,
0: And I think it's and, the best.
3: Yeah, and and to see them like just—they're not a band that just like never toured and never put out other mm-hmm. records. Like they're not an overnight yeah. thing. Like no, no, those, yeah, they did and, the thing.
0: They did the thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I I view Turnstile right now the same way I once viewed the Refused, uh huh, and also at the Drive-In. I think. They're like they took hardcore, they're from hardcore, right, and they did other shit to it, right, and made it something new, uh-huh. which makes the old half of the old freaks just freak out, right it's like why is there a sample in this? I can't take it right you know? absolutely, um, but it's groundbreaking, like and yeah, then watch everybody's going to sound like fucking turnstile for the next like absolutely 100 percent.
3: Yeah, it's it, it, and like you said it's exactly like when Refused came out and people went
0: oh like whoa like, like we yeah, can what oh is this too well recorded? I don't think I'm allowed to like this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this can't not be from the U.S. and be right. this good. They're a little what's going too on? good at their instruments here. I don't yeah. trust it. <laughs>
3: yeah, like oh, now the guy wears a big hat. Oh, like I don't. Yeah, right. You know, like what's right. oh, they don't. They're not wearing you know oversized jinko jeans anymore. And you know, it's yeah, it's there's a lot of things I think that people like to grab onto to pick apart and it's like, you know, like Turnstile getting on like TV shows and stuff. Like, do great for them. Oh, yeah, great for them. Like, because if I it see wasn't it as one of us, one yes, of ours absolutely. There, you know? yeah. Do you want to see some shitty band up? Like, no, this nope. is a band that, like you said, came from where we all came from. They've experienced and loved the same things we love, and like, they can't put their own spin on it. Like, we yeah. all, I think, every one of us has done that to some extent. You okay. know. And like, oh, because they did it a little too much for your liking? Like, that's just... you. I mean, they're off in the wild blue yonder, like, doing exactly what they want to do. They're not... Okay. I, I doubt they're worried about, you know, guys in basements on keyboards. And when I say basements, yeah, I'm not telling the East Coast that they're doing this. But uh, <laughs> the West Coasters in their garage,
0: <laughs> in their garages, are, are typing away on their keyboards, too, saying uh, ridiculous things. At this um, point, I think my delineation is this, Mike, is like... If you know what a proper circle pit is and you're getting paid in the music industry, fuck yeah. Yeah. Like, like that's it. That's my delineation now. If you've ever head walked. Right. And you're actually making a career in music. Yes. That's, that means one of mine made it and I'm happy.
3: Yeah. And, and mentioning refused like a lot of people, you know, uh, It's like there's so many bands that listen to Refuse and were inspired to write more music. And when I heard Turnstile and, like, saw their videos, I'm like, and this is something that everyone can do. Everyone Mm -hmm. can make a cool music video because you've got your phone and you can shoot anything you want. And, like, GarageBand, you can record all your own shit. Like, it's so limitless right now. And, like, to sit around and complain because someone else is, like, having success at it is like, for me, it's inspirational. When I heard Turnstile, I'm like, oh, I want to write music. You know, it's just seeing music do good and affect people like, oh, like, I got to go write some music, you know, like, I don't need to go steal this riff. But like, oh, like, listening to that, yeah,
0: like listening to Turnstile, watching them play makes me want to write and play music. And even, even like visually and aesthetically, like, I love... Yeah. That like, I'm not looking at just like five people in, you know, basketball shorts with full sleeves. Right. You know, I'm like watching a video that I'm like, oh, this is interesting. What am I actually right. looking at here? Like, I got to see this more than once. Like, right, right, you know, I'm not normally, I'm as big of a hardcore fan as anyone. And, you know, a lot of stuff can make me like thrash around my house. Uh huh. But not a lot of stuff like really intrigues me like that these days. Right. You know. And right. That, that was a cool part of it. So yeah. let's bail on the Mount Rushmore since <laughs> I don't. I don't think either of us are going to have a good one for the 2010s. But the next question kind of is part and parcel because you know I feel like as the years go on, hardcore is starting to run into the same problems as as punk or uh, hip hop, even you know, or emo where like a few generations have passed mm-hmm. and the early stuff is so different from modern stuff that like, like we just had a pretty easy time doing the eighties and nineties for Mount Rushmore. Right, right. Cause there was only so much by 2010s, you know, sick of it all is still playing, but then there's a warp tour crowd who imagines that devil wears Prada and Hawthorne Heights and bands right. like this are hardcore music. Right. Um, so at this point in the game, what is hardcore? I,
3: I think that's a great question. And and I think it's become a looser uh, definition of the genre because it's thrown around, uh, I mean, I think every sort of current uh, genre that I can think of is doing its own changing you know like uh so i think that hardcore as you know like it's it's interesting to break it down by decades because you can see like warp tour brings in bands that have a wider appeal outside of hardcore but they might call themselves a hardcore band right so it's beyond policing and i i think that like if you kind of know where hardcore is from but as as a listener we are expecting certain things and we don't always see all of those boxes checked right um so i think it's it's so what are
0: those things like well i think we're
3: assuming it's going to be you know distorted guitars it's going to be sure. something personal or political uh you know it's going to be heavy at times it's going to be fast at times uh you know and it's going to be done on small stages whatever Right. You know, and when things break out of that mold, I think we start, you know, questioning even if it's not out loud, like, oh, where is hardcore going or
0: does this equal hardcore? Do you think there's like <clears throat> you know, an underlying uh, ethos or morality to hardcore that like in order to consider yourself that you sh- you have to toe to a point?
3: Oh, I think so. I mean, I think we, I think hardcore is a community that is, has been so close and there's a network even before the internet, just with touring and, you know, the scenes in different states or towns to where, yeah, we feel that hardcore should be kind of like held to a higher standard. You right. know, like, if we're socially and politically aware, if we are, you know, invested in uh, climate issues and personal issues, that our our songs and lyrics should reflect that, you know, our zines should reflect that. Right. Um, and so I think hardcore is kind of held, at least I think so, like, it should be held to this standard of, like, you know, being better and when... We see bands that won't be named but have, you know, uh, lyrics that are racist or homophobic or whatever. Like, I think we immediately feel that those aren't hardcore bands. Mm -hmm. You know, like that might be some other thing, but it's not hardcore you know yeah. they might say it's hardcore and like well you know we could we could discuss it on you know in a chat room or something but like i think that i immediately think of those things as not checking the correct boxes sure. for it to be appealing to
0: 99% of people i assume are hardcore the concept of inclusivity has to be part of it right 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 it has to be cuz like this is it's the reason it was created right Right. Was was created for a place that the island of misfit toys. It's where we're supposed to be able to go. Like can't have unsafe things there, right?
3: Yeah. And and when like republican Republican values get brought up in things and and we start like talking politics and stuff and you see like republican values being like you know valued or mentioned, and it 's kind of like that to me is like the next step of like that 's to be excluded <laughs>
0: at all yeah. costs oh yeah, yeah. Like, uh, like especially but, what it 's become yeah. yeah of course i mean i don 't know if you 've seen it you know out your way, but a lot of the You know, I see a lot of old hardcore kids, people covered in tattoos who are at, you know, very positive political straight edge kind of shows and bands and those movements. Uh And now in their 40s are conservatives, um, kind of have these really like traditional values and stuff. And you realize like for every person, you know, maybe like me or you who took the messaging really seriously and believed in it and felt it. That there were people at these shows who were there for the speed, for the violence, right? for right. the people to hang out with, for what they deemed cool clothes at the time or cool tattoos or right. something, you know, like, I guess just not everybody... Uh, picked up on the value system aspect of it you know
3: yeah absolutely and when I see that I kind of just wonder you know through my my easy connection to that is like oh when you so and so stops being straight and stuff like I think as the years go on that straight is such a personal thing that right I don't think it involves other people yeah. Like and I true. think those choices are like, you know, I don't want somebody to wonder why my, you know, truck is painted a weird color or like why I water my lawn on Tuesdays. Like I don't want to have to worry about those things and like mm. for me to worry about someone else being straight edge or not. Like <laughs> right. I hope I hope they're happy yeah. and healthy. You yeah, know, I, I right. don't I don't shed a tear
0: over <laughs> Oh, dude, like
3: fucking so and so broke
0: edge. Like, it's, it's. When you you frame it like that, it does seem so ridiculous. Yeah. And that we're (laughs) talking. Like, it's like literally giving shit for someone for, like, (laughs) what did you eat for breakfast? Yeah. Like, you're different than me and
3: we're supposed to be friends. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, maybe in 93 I cared. Um, (laughs) But. You know, with all the things to worry about and with all the, you see people like struggling with life or going through different things. Yeah. And it's like, I want my energy towards people around me to be, mm-hmm. how can I help? What do you need? How are you doing? You know? Like same team, man. Same yeah, team. Yeah. I, I just can't, you know, I, I can't find the value in i can't even monitor myself you know it's like (laughs) like, uh, i can't go wonder how everyone's doing you know if straight edge works for you that's amazing and that's awesome and if it's not for you like dude
0: find what is for you yeah it's so simple don't judge me for how i have to get to sleep at night either. right right exactly (laughs) exactly like be happy and be successful and, and do your thing it's so crazy i mean i wish i could just like well, it was always the people, I, I still know a bunch of straight edge people and they're all the people you didn't know were straight edge in the <laughs> early nineties and you right. don't know we're straight edge now. <laughs> right. And like right. everybody who had the true till death, you know, the, 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 the tattoos who oh, yeah. really over the top with it. They're right. all drunks. Like, yeah, you know.
3: it's the mass majority. Yeah, It really is. Sure. and. And to anyone younger thinking like my friends will never sell out. Like yeah, we've yeah, been in might. the trenches for decades now yeah. and I've seen a lot come and go. Yeah. And just be, dude, be open to the fact they might sell out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> worry about yourself. Don't worry about, right. you know, Johnny down yeah. the street. But like they chances are a mass majority will will yeah. quote unquote
0: sell out. Uh, and, you and, gotta respect the hard headed nature of like a sixteen year old. <laughs> You know, they just, they really think what they're into is for fucking life, man. You know, it's like, that's the reason why young people start revolutions and and old fuckers like us just like fund them and watch them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, Speaking of that, like, you know, I have two small kids and uh, I know you, you've done the father, the father work. Yes. And uh, how do you, or did you balance the question everything nature of punk with being a parent and occasionally having to be listened to?
3: Um, Oh, as far as like, Oh, now I need to lead this child to a bright
0: future. No more the idea that like, you know, I think one of the aspects of like punk and hardcore, I really appreciate is, 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 question everything, look into everything, you know, uh, do things yourself, like, like have this kind of spirit. But then sometimes as a parent, you just have to be like, no, like asshole, like this is what's good for you. And you have to believe (laughs) that. So you don't die or like uh, things like that. Like, like where's that balance with, with freedom and, and parenting and how, how do you feel is like, I guess the best way to message that material to your kids kind of?
3: Well, I think, Uh, it's funny. One, one thing comes to mind immediately is when, um, when I'd be with my daughter and we would be doing whatever, if I'd say, Hey, do, you know, go do this thing. And then she'd say, well, why? And I say, well, do it first and then we'll have a discussion on it. You know, like, Mm -hmm. like get it done. And then we'll talk about like why that was important. And it definitely didn't work all the time, but (laughs) I felt like. It would already be done... And she would have to listen to me. <laughs> so that's kind of like uh, a neat little trick. Yeah. yeah like, and but like you know sometimes like you have was,
0: to earn the conversation.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It could be like, hey, get over here. What for? Well, come over here, and then I'll. Like, <laughs> right. You know, right. It could be anything to to you know anything day to day. How long were you able to pull that off though? Kids oh, are smart. Oh, it <laughs> I tried it a lot. I, I definitely <laughs> yeah. tried it a lot. But there was a time when like it just that's not going to work. Brad's like I gave up on that I, shit. I, I
1: yeah. got a 10 year old lawyer who that is never, <laughs> never going to work. Not at all.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, my 22 year old daughter has more tattoos than I do. So there you go. Uh, wow. She definitely has her own mind and, uh, you know, thing going on in life that's just amazing. Like, she's fantastic. That's awesome. Uh, But yeah, it's one thing that was interesting is she'll run into people like, oh, like, you know, I went out with this guy and he's straight edge or like, oh, my friend, you know, from work or whatever. And (laughs) I helped my daughter move into a new apartment and her friends came over and they were carrying stuff. And this guy looks at me and he goes... Did you really put out the Turning Point record?
1: And I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> like, yeah, outed, you know, yeah, like, yeah, you know, like, yeah.
3: Random daughter's friend, you know, asked me about the Turning Point record, and I actually did pay a vet bill once with a stack of CDs. Uh, really? <laughs> yeah, I, I had you found a I- hardcore vet. I found a cat that was in really bad shape and uh, my girlfriend at the time called uh, her friend that was a vet and, oh, they'll open the, you know, they said they'll open for you. And it was like Thanksgiving or some ridiculous holiday. We're like, wow, they're really going to open. I take this cat in and I'm just like, oh my God, what's this thing going to cost me? <laughs> and I get the, oh, my son likes a lot of your bands. Can you just give him a stack of CDs? for coming in on a holiday and fixing uh, like a broken cow. Wow. How yeah. many CDs that cost? I dude. think it was like 10 or 15 maybe. Not bad. Yeah. That's
1: punk rock. Yeah. Yeah, and I was
3: just like that doesn't happen all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's a great deal. <laughs>
0: Wish I could pull that off all the time. <laughs>
3: oh, oh god, I'd have a car full of CDs I could barter <laughs> off down <laughs> in Memphis. Right to go to the gas station. Hey kid, you like hardcore? Yeah. Like oh, oh the gas
0: prices are up. Uh, <laughs> you like still suit? this is the last the last thing i wanted to know about yes when is the last time you stage dove oh wow you retired a while ago it sounds like it's been a long time um Usually, people remember their last time, their first time, and their last
3: time. Um, you know what? There's a, a really embarrassing stage dive I did that's on video. That, like, when I think Ooh. of stage dives, that pops into my head. And Brad, it's, you gotta it's, find
0: this for the Patreon. Where oh, where did that happen?
3: It's very cringy. It happened at the upfront show at, in uh, at Fender's Ballroom in Long Beach.
0: Oh, okay, yeah.
3: And it's just it all camera, all me, no band. It's just. What is energy. it? A
0: straight plopper? Like-
3: oh, no. It's a like, I, I'm so filled with energy. I'm stomping around on the stage. I'm going to dive. I don't make it in. I stomp around a little more and then I stomp off. It's, it's. Oh, it's, you did the, you bailed. Oh, terrible. Oh, <laughs> oh you did the bail, the classic. Yeah. Like, classic I, I think mistake. there's one dive <laughs> and I don't make it far enough and I just kind of come back. Uh, but it's, it's been a while. There was a, a time I got elbowed in the mouth while having a guy on my shoulders and like just people flying everywhere. And I got elbowed in the mouth and I had a guy on my shoulders and I was punching the guy trying to get him off of me. Cause he's like, ah, this is great. Let's you know, keep going. And I, I just couldn't get him off my shoulders, but I ended up like, sh- like shattering my front teeth. Oh uh, yeah. So. All
0: right. So now you, good. now you just take it easy. <laughs> Yeah, to You're actually retired. stage dive and trust people has—it's been a while. Oh God, I would never—not yeah. not at this. I, I mean, I—I I retired. I'm like 220 pounds, so I—I I retired in like the second time I did. <laughs> it's just not nice, you know. <laughs> just not a nice thing. Um, so, so is. Uh, you, you guys are writing a new Free Will album, right? Well, we just
3: wrapped up and put out our new one called All This Time. They came right. out in January. Cool. And so we're writing some new stuff. We got a couple like, hey, let's do a split together kind of things. And so we're kind of writing uh, sort of frequently and frequently. And uh, yeah, we're just going to be coming up with some new stuff probably the end of the summer.
0: And you saw you're doing show, you just shows a game Face and field day and, yeah, we, and stuff too.
3: Yeah. We did a little force, a uh, little four date run with game face and field day, which was super awesome. We had a That's string awesome. of shows canceled before that, that were all COVIDs. And, uh, you know, it was just coming off the end of that and just trying to build momentum. And, you know, it's, It's weird because we, our heyday was 89. Right. (laughs) You know, so we really had two years of functionality, a bunch of time off, uh, got together for the John Bunch Memorial Show, uh, did a little West Coast thing with Dag Nasty, and then we're just kind of like, building up steam has been just difficult because, you know, though Everyone in the band is like, book it, and we'll be there. And I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to book it. And you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, you know, literally, I sent Gilman an email that said, hey, we haven't been there since 1989, <laughs> but you know, we'd love to come back. And strangely enough, I booked a Gilman show for us yesterday. Yes. So, so I look mean, look at to- that.
0: Did you think at your age you'd still oh. be cold calling Gilman for no. shows? Look at no. that.
3: And I, it's, it's like, what date do you want? Great. You got the date. And it's like, I don't know who we're playing with, but the drive to Berkeley and going in that place is going to be phenomenal. But Uh, it sounds like fun though. Like kind of. Yeah. 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 We don't expect anything. We're trying our hardest, uh, you know, and, and it's funny because everyone in the band has like work is figured out. Home life is figured out. We've got time when we need it. Like, how do we put some things together? You know? And Yeah. And so we're, you know, without a booking agent, but like messaging, I just am constantly messaging either booking agents or promoters or venues. And it's like a, you know, dropping a pebble in, you know, (laughs) sand.
0: But I feel uh, like for guys like us, you do this instead of like join the country club. Right. Or like buy the convertible or like, you know, like you do this instead. You get the old day together, you know? Right. And it's, you know, it's our poker night or our bowling night or
3: whatever your, you know, recreational... Thing
0: is so way way cooler and you don't need like a finished basement to do it you
3: know <laughs> yeah but moving an ampeg 810 cabinet <laughs> is for the birds uh, forgot about that huh? <laughs> <laughs> i actually <laughs> we practice at our drummer's house and i i said hey i'm buying one and it's gonna live in your yeah, garage because <laughs> i just i refuse to move those things Oh, they're, the they're fucking just words. always yeah. the
0: word i'm yeah. like sometimes it's the, i'm like seriously and 30 years (laughs) they haven't figured out how to make
1: these lighter well they they you know what that's funny because the technology has come far enough you can get a big sound from a small amp, but dude nothing nothing sounds like those fucking right yeah it's so worth it
3: yeah and you can get one for 300 bucks you know because they've made so many of them yeah
0: exactly yeah as the drummer How many times have I been on the opposite side of an 8x10 going up the fucking stairs? I'm like, why am I carrying this? It's only a few stairs. Come on. Don't worry, dude. I got the top. (laughs) Uh, At least there is the nice bass players, like the functional ones who would put, you know, install like a good piece of wood or something there on the bottom. So you had something to hold on to instead of the wheel. Right. (laughs) Right. Because I've had so many times those fucking like the wheel brackets. I just like, I just dropped the thing and I'm just, my hands are carved red from those goddamn. Yes. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, Mike. Thanks, man. That was, that was. So much fun. That was a lot of laughs. I appreciate Oh, thank it. you guys. I really appreciate
1: yeah. it. I must have told you the story about Armand being our A&R guy. Did I, <laughs> have I told that story?
0: I don't think so. I feel but, like
1: I have and then I'm going to sound yeah, like... I
0: don't know if you put it on wax.
1: Okay. So... This is Armand from Sacred Oil. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just, I mean, I love it. To th- anytime I hear his name, I, I just, I think of this and laugh because he was friends with Bill Wilson, who was on Blackout Records that put out the first Goops record. And Armand at the time was obviously in this, like, I I wouldn't call it a midlife crisis because he's, but it's like mid-career crisis. You know, when you've like, you've been in a band for a while and you suddenly realize like, ah, I'm probably not going to be in a band forever. Not realizing that fucking Sick of It All is so, was gonna, he's going to be in a band forever, right?
0: Yeah, I do know this, Brad. Int- <laughs> intimately. Okay? So
1: you can Go totally on. relate. And he was obviously <laughs> casting about for like a career and decided right. that maybe he'd be a good A&R guy. Oh, really? Yeah, so we took- I mean, he was always <laughs> like, he's like the business guy in Sick of It All. Yeah, right? so, so he probably sense. would be, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But the best part is that we took our meeting, this first meeting with Bill and, and Armand at uh, Benny's Burritos, which oh, was on wow. uh, 6th and A. Mm-hmm. Awesome place. We had a friend working there. And we come in. It's like three of us from the band. And she comes up. She goes, hey, are you guys meeting somebody here? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Or no, no, maybe we told her. We're like, we're, we're meeting uh, some guys here from our label. And I'm like, and she goes, oh, you mean those two cops over there in the corner? <laughs> <laughs> why because they had like the slick hair like the good yeah because hair. like both of them yeah. i mean they just both ha- yeah bill is pretty straight looking dude yeah. but short haircut and like you know this is the east village in like 1994 yeah. those motherfuckers were all about the barbershop. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and yeah it's armand and bill sitting at the table looking like a couple of undercover cops which is uh-huh. just so awesome but he didn't last he, he immediately went on a tour or something and i don't think his his he never did anything with A and R for us, but it nah, would have been awesome shame. to have yeah. Armand. <laughs> I think
0: R- that guy. story that Mike told—I don't know if that was sick of it all it as money. <laughs> <laughs> I think he got some money. I think he went around the building and got some money. So I'd like to hear the other side of that. Well, too. We've gotta we gotta
1: get—we'll get Armand on here. He can tell yeah. us all these stories. Yeah, that would be. I'd like to clarify <laughs> that one.
0: We might not get real answers on that one. Yeah might be a little but uh yeah so you know everyone should uh check out the field day music they're getting out there
1: yeah it's starting it's to work
0: around and do the thing new age is still putting out a lot of cool cool young bands and good hardcore bands like as mike said only stuff that he listens to which is great and uh i don't know check out all it's great great stuff
1: he got social media mike Hartsfield at Mike Hartsfield, Um on the Instagram on the Instagrams uh, on Facebook. Meta. Yeah, uh, go check out the label. It's records. We'll put a link on the website. Um, yeah, check out the the music, man. I was watching the video there for uh, what's the single from there? The show? Is that what yeah, it's the show. I know. It's totally I know. stuck in my head. The whole the first it's ten good. minutes of this interview, I kept I, the show was running through my head.
0: I even had a I had a question for him that I kind of bailed on because I didn't know if he'd take it the wrong way, but I heard that song and I was like, "This song couldn't be by any band who wasn't from California." Yeah, right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Like that song <laughs> has to be from California yeah. or it sucks. <laughs> it has to be from there. Like it's so quintessentially California, yeah, yeah, and I yeah. love. That part of like their music scene is like there's a type of music there, just like New York hardcore, or like you know, this other kind of stuff that just it just you know it's from there. Like it's, the second you hear it, it's, it's like so zip, distinct, it's like zipped up, you know, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like it's just right there. Like I feel like I'm at a dag nasty show or something, yeah, yeah. it's perfect. But uh, yeah, that was fun. That was a great chat. He seems like a very, I've looked into Mike a little like. I didn't get any great mystery friend stories, but both the people I hit up were like, he's like the sweetest guy. And yeah. uh, that did come across in the interview. It felt like really nice person to be around. I'd like to spend a little time with that fella at some point, you know? Absolutely. And he has some old tales. <laughs> some old tales about the mid-80s in LA, which to me in my brain just looks insane. Like wow, jail, yeah. you know? Yeah. I just think a black flag playing with like just one massive fight of like a hundred people at a time. <laughs> this is what I think happened out there. It's pretty, it know. was pretty
1: hardcore.
0: <laughs> Maybe it was. I was a little kid. Wouldn't know. All right. Well, thanks for tuning into the going off track.
1: We have stuff. We have a Patreon. Yeah. Go to patreon.com slash going off track. Join up. We got stuff going on. We get the thursday night fireside chat on discord we'll
0: chat we gotta throw Lotus something content. new into the
1: chat yeah you want to do need a like little,
0: some, uh, need like a poll you need like whoa. like a questionnaire we gotta get something get going, going in
1: there yeah okay yeah. i'll try and think yeah. of something
0: i feel like I feel like they're afraid to ask me questions these days
1: really yeah
0: am i intimidating Brad?
1: no not at all benny
0: i don't think so no i know i'm large <laughs> but anyway uh, and then if you want to rank us uh, <laughs> <laughs> give us a good give us a good review wherever you, you wanna, get your podcast you
1: want to rank us highly don't, don't read any of the uh, other ones first uh, just give, just be honest
0: <laughs> and if anybody has any questions right now about fantasy baseball I'm all brushed up just just hit me up on the social media I won't answer any other questions on social media that aren't sports related at the moment <laughs> You know what the best one about Gaslight announcing shows was? I saw, <laughs> I haven't been listening to many comments, but the best one I saw was, hey, Gaslight, you know Spain is in Europe, right? <laughs> what does what? that mean? Well, it means we're not going to Spain this time. <laughs> and, and apparently we don't know that Spain is in Europe as a result. <laughs> yeah, I, you're right. I thought it was Africa. I thought everything south of that giant lake you have there is Africa. <laughs> Sorry
1: south of the french mountains
0: it's it's so funny how you can take a really really long break from your band
1: and still get shit
0: <laughs> oh my people are happy for about 45 minutes and then it's just <laughs> still doing
1: something wrong <laughs> yeah
0: just you're up just don't have don't go on social media ever it's, this is the biggest mistake you could ever make in your life truth Urgh. all right well love you love you brad love you benny